Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from a fairly balmy day, actually, in Fort Worth, Texas for January. Uh, Today is part three in our New Year series on empowerment. And today we look at the power of intuition. My, my guest is Kim Chesney, and she's written a wonderful book entitled Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. Um, Kim is a globally recognized author, uh, innovation leader, intuition expert. She's the founder of the Intuition Lab and the CREATE Festival. Uh, With 20 years' experience in the tech sector, she's led uh, various uh, groups um, and leaders uh, of technology companies and and others, universities, um, in these these subjects of intuition and the power of transformation through, through creative insight. It's a fascinating book, lots in it, so I'm excited to uh, welcome uh, Kim Chesty to today's show. Welcome, glad you're with us. Thanks for having me, Paul. Are we all still there? (laughs) I'm here. Oh, good. Somebody (laughs) called me, and uh, yeah, that's the trouble with live air sometimes. It gets a little weird. Anyway, I also wanted to mention that you lead, lead a, a thriving community, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's ongoing even during COVID. How, how has COVID impacted you? Yeah, oh man, wow, what a, what a journey it's been over the past year. I mean, in, yeah. Luckily, I mean, in terms of, um, you know, doing this intuition work, I, I do a lot of work online already because, you know, I, my first book was out and I really wanted to be able to serve students all over the world. So, right. um, so it's been good to be able to connect still. I think it's been so valuable um, being able to bring people together now because so, there's so much isolation and really this is a time for us just not only to connect with each other, but to connect inward. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, we're, it, as Unity students, we're quite familiar with intuition because <laughs> it, it's one of our uh, principles that we understand that, you know, there's more going on than just the discursive mind, right? The, the intellect. Um, and, and there's great power of connection. We connect ourselves to spirit through intuitive awareness and, and our prayers, uh, you know, is centered in that. But it's still, you know, in the common parlance, it's, it's as you say, it's the, the world's best kept secret, right? 
Uh, mm -hmm. People either think, oh, well, that's that intuition. That's for women. That's number mm -hmm. one. And the other one is, oh, intuition. That's kind of woo-woo. You know, that's for people who are psychic or, or use crystals or stuff like that. But really, that, that does a disservice to intuition, right? So tell us about that. Yeah, and that's, that really is a great starting point because, you know, one of the things I always talk about with intuition is it is something that we all use naturally. It's part of all of our lives. And it's just a matter of the language we choose to use when we talk about it. And, you know, in religious communities throughout history, we've known intuition. You know, even right. the Holy Spirit is another word for intuition. Uh, so we've, we've really... Um, really had so many different siloed interpretations of intuition throughout the years. This book really wanted to create a unified understanding of how the many manifestations of intuition really speak to all of us, each and every one of us. And it's not a woo thing. It's, it's a very natural part of our being. It's just like you said, a complement to our discursive mind and our intellect. It, when they work together, you know, that's when we start to do extraordinary things and have these extraordinary experiences. Right. So we're not saying jettison you your thinking, right? We, right. God knows we need clear thinking especially yes. at this time in our history. <laughs> but we, we also, you know, don't want to be limited by our thinking. I think exactly. that's, that's what we're talking about, right? We have, we have levels of awareness within our being, body, mind and spirit, right? That, are, that can be tapped into and utilized. And, and we're foolish if we limit ourselves in any way. Uh, I love what Einstein said, right? Einstein was a big proponent of intuition, mm -hmm. yeah? And if anybody was um, more intellectual, we could be hard to find. And yet, even that high intellect, you know, was saying that intuition was crucially important to his his insights and, and his discoveries. And, of course, he, you could say, probably is one of the most influential people in, in changing the way we think about things, right? The way the right. universe works. So... Um, this is high praise indeed for, for intuition. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting thing you mentioned in the book, and, and we can talk about it too, is, you know, everybody's talking about mindfulness now. Mm -hmm. you know, it's become a buzzword, isn't it? Yes. Um, there's mindfulness this, mindfulness that. And it originates, of course, in Buddhist teaching, right? Mm -hmm. in, in Vipassana, um, in, in mind training, whatever. Uh, but uh, it's you say that there's a step beyond that, right? From mm -hmm. just mindfulness into um, insightfulness to use mm -hmm. insight. So what's the difference? Yeah, so I think this idea of insightfulness is really kind of like we said, the secret step that really a lot of people aren't aware of once we move into this state of mindfulness. And even the Buddhists practiced insightfulness with insight meditation. So again, it's this language. They might not call it intuitive meditation, but intuition, insight are, you know, they're inexchangeable in terms of, you know, the words we use to talk about what we're doing. So really understanding this sort of evolution that's happening through this process of mindfulness. I think it's so important right now that this movement uh, with mindfulness took hold as a counterpoint to this crazy world that we're living in right now. We didn't need it as much 200 years ago when we had stillness and silence in our life because it was, it was a totally different world. But now with technology and our devices, we're always being called to do this or look at that or have our attention drawn away from that true place of being. So moving back into a state of mindfulness, into a state of stillness and quiet is really the foundation of being able to hear our intuition, 
because we can't hear it when we're going a mile a minute, when we're on our phone all the time. There's so much friction and so much static in the world that our intuition just can't get through. So we lose that connection, that connection to God, or that connection to ourself or the universe, whatever word we want to use for that. Uh, it becomes muddled because there's so much in between that's like creating barriers. So uh, once we get into that space and open up to the stillness and that presence of being, we can easily reconnect. And that's really the secret to this shift into insightfulness. Right. I like that. It's somewhere in the book. I can't remember the exact page, but there's there's a list of um, people or companies that are highly successful and then companies or whatever that are less successful. Right. Right. And uh, I was looking down the list and it, it's all based on the one is obviously open to intuition, open to this higher awareness, this, these higher insights. The other is taking what's already existing and trying to rearrange it, right? trying to make it better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we have this buzzword mindfulness. So, OK, well, how can we apply that in our business? You know, how can mm -hmm. I apply that in my life? Well, what is it? You know, is it real for you? You know, maybe it, it, if it's not coming from your own direct connection to source right it's it's not going to be ultimately successful right. and i thought that in terms of you know businesses that i've been involved with or, or uh, spiritual organizations so, sometimes we're, we're looking to meet people's needs but we're not using our own gifts we're, we're saying we're not proud of our own gifts in some way we we, we think there's somebody's got a better idea right. somewhere else right and intuition is is really about trusting ourselves isn't mm -hmm. it being our own uh, expert in in um, the flow in, in allowing the creativity to express why do we have such difficulty doing that i know you said we rush around we, we we're in a mad society like that but what else i mean is, is there a fear that this is not true you know i mean and then some people say here's another question some people say well um how do i know that it's intuition Mm. And not just wishful thinking or ideas that are coming from my, my body, mind, or my, my ego. Yeah, and that's really the question that's at the heart of really developing your intuition. Because if we're going to follow our intuition and bring it into our life and act on it, we have to learn to trust it. Because we have to know we're actually following our intuition, not some crazy idea or like you were just saying, all these right. other things these different voices in our head that may not be our intuition. So, so it's really important that we start to understand our own unique way that our intuition speaks to us. And I think that's difficult for some people at first, you know, because like you just touched on briefly, fear. There's, there's fear of confusion, fear. I might not really be following my intuition. I might be doing some crazy thing and ruining my life or whatever. And then the other fear is really that simple, basic human fear of getting out of your comfort zone, because mm -hmm. that's something our intuition will incessantly call us to do because our, our intuition wants us to really unfold into our true full being. So it's going to get us out of our comfort zone if we have to face things, if we have to grow past things, if we have to learn lessons. So or if we, even if we have to serve, even if we have a mission or a purpose or something that, that we can give back to the world, there's so many ways that our intuition calls us forward. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. Sometimes that can be frightening. And sometimes, you know, it might just be easier to not do it. So, so there's a lot of answers to that question as to why we don't follow our intuition. But, you know, usually it's always the same result, right? You know, famous last words, I didn't follow my intuition. You know, it's, it's one of those things that we know if we don't follow it, that there's usually consequences that come with that that aren't right. to our benefit. <laughs> 
So, yeah. So ultimately, I think, it, you know, once you start to practice with your intuition and recognize what it is and how your intuition speaks to you uniquely, then you start to become more comfortable with it. And it's a lot easier for you to follow it every day and sort of create this culture of insightfulness in everything you do in your life. You know, the, the great uh, and, and problematic uh, saint uh, or Buddhist teacher, Chogyan Trungpa, uh, once said, he said, first thought, best thought. And I don't think he was just referring to, you know, intellectual thinking, but it, the whole gam gamut of, of intuition and um, understanding, you know, often what comes to us first is without us um, overlaying it with all our fears or our constructs around what it should look like, right? Exactly. So to trust that initial primordial knowledge, uh, I think that seems to be, you know, a good guide for me, at least, mm -hmm. to, to whether intuition is correct. You know, what, what is that first thought? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't mean I can't analyze it and maybe modify it. But usually I come back, I often come back to my first thought, you know, to, to that initial spark, because that seems to be closest to the creative place, if you like. Exactly, exactly. And even Malcolm, Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm Dowell wrote about it in Blink, right? He's talking about Blink, that first in, yeah. impression, right? Malcolm Gladwell, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm's so, so, I mean, and that's a very business book, right? So you can talk about this in terms of very practical things, like that first impression, that first idea that comes to mind. Or you can, you can also talk about it really in terms of our personal growth and the way that we experience our relationship and the, the things we do with each other in very small ways every day. So it really does span this gamut in our life of really getting that habit of listening to that first idea, that first insight, that little moment of inspiration that comes before our mind gets in and applies all of our judgments and fears and wants and wishes to that and really taints this sort of pure idea that comes through in the beginning. And you, you have a four-part, uh, you know, system here, right, around that. Um, the the first impressions, you know, that first thought, best thought, idea. And, and then the second is resonance, um, discernment, and then validation. I like that. Talk us through yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, so I work with that. You know, I've been studying this for a very long time to tr really understand the natural process of intuition. And because I think most of us have sort of been using intuition sort of unconsciously, it, it works, but we're, sometimes it, it shows up, sometimes it doesn't, we're not really aware of how it's working through us. So um, you're working with my students in Intuition Lab uh, over the years, we came to realize that there's sort of a general pattern that intuition just naturally uses when, when it comes into being and flows through us. And as we talked about early on, you know, with this, with this very first idea of this first thought, best thought, so the first way it appears is often through these first impressions or these sudden insights or these epiphanies, even Einstein's, you know, middle of the night solutions to his scientific problems come through in that split second, right? These are these moments where they just simply arrive. Uh, so those are really valuable nuggets of intuition to start to pay attention to any ideas that seem to come out of nowhere. You know, these are, these are little magic moments when our intuition touches us. And then there's also this idea of resonance when we sort of know the truth by the way it feels, right? you've heard that saying. So that's when you get into this vibrational alignment with a situation and it just feels right, right? So and I, I kind of broke it down in the book into this example of how you can have a first impression of something or you can then you can start to have this resonance of like something's feeling right or something's not feeling right and then really leaning into that and seeing where your intuition draws you. 
And beyond that, then we get into that place of discernment. And discernment's really important. It's a really important idea with intuition because this is the place where we bring together the thinking mind, the rational mind, the discursive mind with our intuitive ideas that we've been um, processing. So this way we can start to apply deeper meaning. We can make sense of it. We can sort of temper it and, and make sure we're not going out in some like crazy limb and all these things. So so it's a very important part. And even uh, the Pope actually wrote a book on discernment. His, his most recent, um, like two years ago, a little book at all on discernment, which was pretty much all about intuition. And I was so excited to read it. Um, but it, so it's, so it's really this process of bringing together the mind and intuition as one to work together and to find deeper meaning. And then ultimately validation is really the most important step when it comes to learning to trust and follow our intuition, because we want to know that our intuition was right. And with something like this, it's just like when you add up a math problem, you want to know you get the right answer. So with intuition, when you follow it, when you get into this place where you act on it, you want to know that you did the right thing and you understood it the right way. So there's many different ways that we can get validations for, from our intuition. But ultimately, it's important to know that we were following our intuition the right way so that we can continue to do that and trust it in the future when times arise. When it's not a monolith. Excuse me, it's not a monolithic thing either, is it? In the sense that, you know, you can get these first impressions, you can get resonances, then new information can come, right? That the may maybe modifies that initial uh, intuitive burst or whatever. Yes. Um, and, I, and I think that's okay. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, I've got a, I've got the insight now and I have to follow it, you know, regardless. Well, I think that's foolishness because mm -hmm. we're fluid beings, right? Things can change. Uh, and some modifications can even deepen our understanding sometimes. So we need to stay flexible, right? Absolutely. It's, it is a work in progress. It's a dynamic situation. Intuition is always changing and evolving. I mean, the truth is constant. The, the truth never changes. But our relationship to it, where we're going, the way that we're having a personal relationship with it at that moment can change. So it's so important to always keep that connection open with your intuition and your inner guidance and stay connected so that you can kind of, you know, no matter where you are on, on that spectrum from that, those different angles that you can still connect with that one singular truth. I think this has been true of COVID too. You know, for some people it, it didn't, 2020 didn't work out the way mm. they wanted it to, whatever that means. But from my perspective, it worked out the way it was supposed to do, you know, um, and it may, they may not have been the perfect scenario for many of us. It certainly wasn't, but, but it's life, right? Life does mm -hmm. what it does. And I, I noticed a lot of people were saying, you know, at the, at the new year, thank goodness 2020 is gone. 2021 is going to be great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, the first 10 days were kind of madness, at least in America. Um, and, and so it's like, Whoops, maybe that was the wrong way to think about <laughs> it's it. Not you know, fate. That, yeah. It's not, it's not a, du a dualism, you know, that was terrible. Now the next one's going to be great because life, you know, just doesn't unfold in those neat little ways, does it? You know, there's, there's a technique you use, remind me about it, where, you know, you're trying to discern between the two things you might want. Oh, and, right. Um, and you sort of visualize, right? Use some visualizations. Um, tell us about that because I thought that was quite helpful. Yeah, and that's, that's one of my favorite um, activities to do with folks as they start moving into their intuition and really starting to become aware of it. And, and I call it going through the wormhole. That's sort of my name for it because it, it teaches us how quickly and how easily we can find solutions and answers to our problems and guidance without all of that um, you know pros and cons lists and trying to work everything out. It's, it's that sort of 
sort of uh, quantum idea of quant like, you know, I talk in the book about quantum thinking and how intuition is really a type of quantum thinking where we're able to get directly from the question to the answer without all that figuring out in between. So, mm -hmm. um, so I really like to, you know, relate the intuitive process in a lot of ways to things like quantum entanglement, things like um, all the things we hear in, in quantum physics about the relationship in the unity and the fields of oneness that exist behind this sort of linear cause and effect world that we see around us. We know there's something more now. Like a hundred years ago, we talked, we couldn't talk about intuition like this because we didn't understand that the world was any different than ups and downs, actions and reactions. So, so now that's the wonderful thing about intuition is where science is catching up to this fact that we know we have intuition and we can do these things. But now it's starting to say, okay, so this might not be so impossible after all. So I created this needle exercise where you can sort of visualize two different um, choices in, in your mind's eye and then intuitively sort of allow your intuition to speak to you and, and draw you into one or the other so that you get an answer without even using your thinking mind to, to sort of deduct one. Right. And, you know, I, I guess everybody learns in different ways, but I, I'm a visual, visual learner in some regards and... Um, if I can visualize things um, and actually have imagery around it, you know, it, 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 it clarifies um, the work to, to move to solution, you know. And, and again, it goes beyond just the, the verbal mind, you know, the, the discursive mind into something larger. And, and that's fascinating to me, you know. So there's many different ways, right, of, of intelligence, I guess, of, of learning, of understanding these things. Uh, it seems like intuition to me uses that pre-language, uh, mm -hmm. pre-cognitive state. You know, um, I was I was listening to my, one of my grandchildren yesterday on a video, um, just singing. And he's less than two years old, so that this it's like free-form singing, and uh, pre-language singing. You know, it, it I just la 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 basically. But but I thought how fascinating because that that child is number one I guess learning what it means to to express right pre language but it's also expressing something beautiful it was almost a spiritual thing for mm -hmm. me um, you know and uh, it, so I guess what I'm saying is information or uh, understanding comes in so many what remarkable ways right that uh, through that intuitive process right from the time we're, we're very very young yeah and when we're young like, like that i'm glad you brought that up because children are so naturally intuitive you know, we are born very connected as young babies and children and and it seems to be the pattern of our culture at least where we're sort of conditioned out of our intuition you know we're told that right. okay now you have to learn this way and now you know we teach your grandchild how to sing a certain way or follow certain rules and and really to um to start using that other side of our mind so to speak which is which is helpful in, in a lot of ways but the the problem at least in my generation has been that you know we didn't really encourage the other side at the same time we didn't encourage that intuitive side you know maybe we had some art classes some music classes but it, never had the gravitas that that going to school and getting that PhD with to, to become really smart has so now though I really feel like that we're experiencing a shift when people are starting to realize how important for these young children it really is to encourage them to foster that intuitive nature and that creative nature and to allow that to continue to flow into life 
into in you know not like in the old days when they'd even even right-handed and left-handed people we wouldn't let people be left-handed you know i don't right. know i remember my, my parents generation that you, you couldn't that was wrong no now we need to encourage that both sides are magical and beautiful and and, and balancing them is really the key Thank goodness we have, uh, you know, some models in terms of Montessori school or mm -hmm. Rudolf Steiner's, you know, Waldorf yes. schools that that emphasize the intuitive, right, and allow for that creativity. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we go to the break, um, you've divided intuitions into four, right? And it's almost similar to Jungian, um, you know, archetypal types or whatever, um, uh, psychological types. Uh, the sensing, the the thinking, the expressing, and the being, right, L linked to the elements as well, right, mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. earth, the air, fire, and, and water, which mm -hmm. is interesting, which links into the tarot deck for me because there's mm -hmm. so much wisdom. In that's a very intuitive tool. And, as well. and um, astrology also. Yeah, and astrology yeah. as well. So, so uh, again, e each of us are different. Some may emphasize one or more, you know, the, over the other, right? So, so this helps us. We don't all have to fit into the same box. In other words, like we just talked about, um, we may be skillful. In, and I know you spent a lot of the book, um, the bulk of the book, talking about these four styles, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, just in a couple of minutes, just introduce us, and we'll talk. Introduce us to it, and we'll talk more in the second half. Yeah, uh, so really there's just one overarching intuition. It's just intuition, but there's basically just four pathways that our intuition can use to speak to us. It right. can speak to us through our bodies, through our minds, through our hearts, or through that being of eternal presence and spirit. So so really it does mirror what you said with Carl Jung and his four cognitive functions and the four elements. Uh, it fits nicely into that basic understanding of how human beings interact with the world around them. So with, the, with this model, it simply shows how we learn from the inside, which are the same pathways that we learn from the outside. Right, yeah. I don't know how much time we have to go into, I could go into it more, but it could get. Well, I, I just, <laughs> uh, just to wrap up, uh, I just wanted to talk about the test you had early in the book, you know, where you, uh, you, you encourage people to find out which, which of the four functions, and I, I, I answered it and uh, filled it in, and I noticed that I'm almost equal on each one, which is Great. interesting. Uh, yeah. Probably if there was, uh, you know, two that stood out, it would be the uh, the thinking one and the being one seemed to come up a little higher. Ooh. But but uh, that's okay, right? They don't have to have one predominating. I guess that any any mixture is uh, is fine. Well, I, I love that, you know, the spiritual um, pathway was very open for you as you're a reverend, as you do what you do. This yeah. is clearly something, right? Because I, I honestly, that's the one that I find is the lowest in most people. Huh. And it's actually rare that I talk with someone who has a high level of that. So um, it's it's usually some unique blend of, of right. various different levels. Usually one or two, like you said, are stronger than the other ones. But it's ultimately we want to have all of them up at the top at 100%. So if you have them all the same, you know, that's good. That means they're all open, they're all functioning, and it just really shows you how you've already been intuitively, naturally using your intuition before you're conscious of it. So once you start to become aware of it and conscious of it, then you can start using all of those pathways more. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages this is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show. I'm with Kim Chesney. We're talking about her new book. It's called Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. And we've covered a number of topics in the first segment. Uh, but in the second segment, let's look at these four styles or approaches to intuition, which uh, work for various uh, personality types. And And I, I talked to, in the previous segment that I, I filled out the the, um, the the questionnaire to find out which type I was, and I found out I was pretty much all of them in some degree or another, and that's perfectly okay. Um, but, you know, some of us may feel like we're more one than the other, and that's okay too, right? Um, so the four, the four are healer, sage, visionary, and mystic. Um, and uh, so let's talk about these, you know, uh, the, the, the healer, we're talking about the sensing, feeling, um, in, in touch with the body, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. People who are naturally um, physical intuitives, people whose bodies speak to them, they're very connected with the intuitive messaging of their bodies. So this really lends itself to this archetype of the healer. So I tried to create an archetype for each general pathway of intuition to help people to understand sort of the many aspects that intuition can come to us and sort of this sort of higher archetypes of, of how we can rise into our best selves to them by being this healer and, and really listening to our body, not just healing our body, but nourishing our body, um, allowing our body to guide us with what we eat, the, the way we move, the way that we um, decide to you know treat our illnesses. There's so many ways that our intuition speaks to us every day through our, even through our five senses and our physical um, elements of being. So there's so much to unpack there. There's so many ways that we can really move deeper into this experience of our, of our bodies by tuning into our intuition. Um, and just want me to go through the four types real quick or do you yeah, want to just, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, and then the, the, the second type of the archetype is the archetype of the sage and that's the intuition of the mind. So in this, people who, who are very uh, naturally aligned with this pathway would very easily make decisions with their intuition, be able to follow their inner guidance, be prone to having just knowings, like you just know something's the right thing, even though you might not have any reasons to back it up. So it's very intellectual based, but it's also, it, it's also geared towards this process of decision making and guiding and choosing. Um, and so that's the pathway of the mind. And then the third pathway is the pathway of the heart. And that is the archetype of the visionary or the artist or the creative. And because the heart, when it comes to intuition, it's not about romantic feelings. It's about passionate feelings in terms of our callings and, and what we're moved to do in life and how we really can impact the world and bring change and, and really transform um, our lives and the world around us for the better. So it's very transformational. Um, and then ultimately, the fourth type is this type of the mystic, which is the intuition of the spirit, where we can connect with higher power and that eternal being beyond. And, and really, this is ultimately our gateway to higher being and higher existence. And that's the really you know, mystical and metaphysical side of intuition. What's the difference between a sage and a mystic? So the I know sage you said one's more thinking and the other's more... You know, experiential, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, and all of these things are really, you know, different dimensions of the same process. So, um, but when we're talking about the mystic and, and the spirit, we're talking about being and, ex and, and existence. So, you know, you might have an experience of feeling God, having a presence and being part of that and as an overwhelming experience that you can't even put into words, right? So that's where the mystic would come in, as opposed to the sage would be, um, you know, more like you'd imagine the wise one sitting on a mountaintop, giving guidance for, to others or knowing how to choose and go in different directions. So it's more of a choosing active process as opposed to just a full experience. Right. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, we tend to have labels like uh, healer, sage, whatever, and then think there's a certain thing we have to do as a result of that. Like you referenced sitting on the mountaintop. But <laughs> yeah. it, can, it can also be the ability to be helpful in your family, right? Or, mm. or oh, if absolutely. you're in the sensing type, you know, you might be able to make nurturing food, for instance, good, healthful food. Uh, which, uh, you know, and intuitively know the, the, you know, the correct ingredients to use. So I want to point that out to people that it, this isn't about, well, now I got to suddenly I got to become a sage, you know, on the mountain. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Or I'm not sure I'm equipped to be a healer or whatever. But we can be a healer in the sense, you know, a nurturer, right? As somebody that's doing something uh, in their garden, for instance, uh, that, that could be a way that that expresses, you know, because it's associated with the earth. Um, and and uh, I know my wife loves to go out in the garden and, and um, you know, has a very intuitive sense of that and um, gets very, gets very uh, much out of it. And that's another thing, isn't it? It's a two-way street, this, right? It's not just I'm receiving um, something that then I can help others with. I'm, I'm actually blessing myself through this, right? Yes. And I'm so glad you brought all of that up because, you know, yes, these are lofty sort of archetypes that we talk about. But at, at the heart of intuition is using it in very, um, very intentional ways in every moment in our lives and, and towards the things that we touch every day. The people, our relationships, very practical, very simple ways. It ultimately is a very simple practice of, of becoming insightful. And, and it doesn't require us going and sitting on top of a mountain or, you know, having any sort of grand gesture. It, it's here at all times. And and in terms of it becoming, the, you know, a two-way street, I mean, it is, there's two parts to intuition. We have to become aware of it. We have to understand it. We have to recognize that it's real and that it's part of us and part of our life. But then we have to follow it and really honor it. So when we have those intuitive moments and those intuitive um, sort of nudges. It's so crucial. It's really our duty to ourselves to follow them because yes, you know, we can help other people, but in the process, we're uplifting ourselves and we're all rising together. So there's more going on than meets the eye. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And I, and that's another thing that people have said in, uh, you know, dealing with COVID is um, my life's diminished. You know, I can't go out. I can't, eat in a restaurant or be with friends, uh, you know, jobs are difficult. I've lost my job, maybe, etc. There's a lot of downsides, um, but there's a lot of plus sides too, right? It, it, it has forced us, as you mentioned earlier, to sort of turn within to our own processes. And um, it, this seems to be a very rich thing for me. You know, the interior life is, it can be as, as rich or even richer than, than the external life of, you know, events and whatever. 
Um, and yeah, we, we, we'd love to go out to eat maybe. And then some people still do regardless. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but you know, there's other things that can replace that. Um, and I think this learning to be attuned to the intuitive, uh, is, is crucially important, isn't it? It's, it seems to me, we, we need this in our modern society. It, it's, it's one of the things that seems to be lacking. Yeah, and I really see, you know, what, what's happened with COVID has been uh, this huge timeout for so many of us. And, um, you know, we have to find a silver lining. And that's one of the things that's so important about intuition right now is, you know, nothing that is meaningless, nothing that we experience in the world is meaningless or does not have an opportunity to bring us a gift or to take us higher. So really turning to our intuition right now can help us to understand, you know, what what is the purpose in experiencing this for me? You know, how can I take this um, and find the silver lining, you know, find turn this grain of sand into a pearl? And, you know, the, the immediate answer that comes to mind in, in so many cases is using this time that we have to go within, to use this time to, you know, go into that silence and realize that there is an inner world that is dynamic and beautiful and alive. And that's something that we forget about because we're so distracted and, and we're so busy. So having a little bit more space and time to reconnect with ourselves can certainly help us as we go back out into the world when all of this passes by and hopefully life in some way um, comes back into a new normal. And you know, really ask ourselves, what, are, what do we do next? What's our next step? What do we learn from this? And how do we integrate the lessons from this last year into our life in a meaningful way? How does in intuition and empathy, how do they fit together? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, 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 people ask me that a lot. And I think that empathy is, it's, it's a type, it really falls into um, the category, I think, of uh, the healer and physical intuition. It's our ability to really sense what other people are sensing and feel what other people are, are feeling and really share that experience. And it's so important. Um, to have empathy now, I think it, more than ever um, with our society, with what's happening out there in the world and with all there being all these labels and all this division. And when we have empathy, which is, is very much tied into the intuitive process, we're able to, um, you know, to recognize ourselves and other people and to recognize other people's struggles and to recognize their humanity. So mm -hmm. opening up to that is so crucial with so much that we have going on, especially in America right now. I think, you know, I've heard a lot you know, in the last year that, you know, people have uh, found difficulty with with one party or the other or one side or the other. Uh, and they, they can't have empathy. You know, they, they you know, they, they dislike the person so much or the policies or whatever, the behavior that they've lost the ability to to love or to be mm -hmm. empathetic. And and that seems crucially important. Well, important because it's sad, you know. It's important to um, still, you know, have some compassion for a person, right, or a situation, mm -hmm. um, regardless if you think it's right or wrong. You know, that's that's another thing altogether. We don't have to condone the behavior, right. but but to lose sight that you know the people are doing the best they can given their their their, their wisdom at the time, right? Yes. Um, and and that's that's seems to be the way of healing, you know that. Uh, it, it's not about you know making it all right because those people go away and then it, right. everything's cool because my kind of people are now in charge or whatever. Right. 
but to, you know, to talk about integration, it seems to yes. me there's no boundaries in intuition, right? There's, it's, it's connected to spirit. There's no boundaries to spirit. There's no limits here. Yeah, I think we have to be really careful when we get into any scenario of polarization. If we're involved in a polarized situation, we, we have to immediately check in with ourselves because when we're creating an us and them, we're creating a division and intuition is unity and intuition is truth. And there's no dividing that. There may be an infinitude of different perspectives about that truth because we're all on different paths. And I just like to use the analogy of, you know, the, the path to truth and the path that we're all on, it's not linear, it's circular. And we're all coming at it from different angles, right? And just because someone is in a different place on their journey, you know, it doesn't mean that it's better or worse than yours. It's just different. And, you know, to an extent, you know, there's, there is a certain boundaries we have to draw in terms of, you know, violence and, and sovereignty of human beings. But in terms of um, ultimately this idea of integration and coming together and healing comes from this place of empathy and this place of mutual understanding that the closer we all get to our intuitions, the more that's going to happen, you know, because I, I've had, I had, you know, during the, the election when things were getting really, really crazy, you know, I, I was talking on some different shows and, and, you know, a specific person once asked me to be, you know, to declare, you know, my, you know, what party I was for and all of this stuff. And, you know, I, and I, I really simply said that, you know, intuition is for everyone. Whether you like Trump or hate Trump, we want everyone to be following their intuition. And at the right. end of the day, if we're all doing that, if we can all tap into that, we're all going to get where we need to go because we're all being led to, to the same high place. If we just, you know, if we can just stop following the, the false stuff, the illusions, and just tune back into that true north. So you talk in the book about discovering intuition obviously and, and a lot of the book is about that how we discover it how, how we discern if it's you know true or not but then you go on to say you know discovering it is not quite far enough you you have to own it right mm. so all right we've heard that word before i gotta own it you know what does it mean for you to own something yeah and that's sort of where the title of this book comes in we talk about radical intuition it was like what does what makes it so radical so the, the idea with this book, um, not only is it just trying to, to, to paint a picture to normalize intuition, so we all understand that we have it, but it's also about making this shift, making the shift to stop defining ourselves and defining life itself by the conditioning that we've been fed for our whole lives from the outside world. It's about recentering, refocusing our truth on that truth inside us, which is who we really are, our authentic true self and that being, that universal spirit that's behind all of us. So instead of you know listening to what our parents told us and the schools tell us and what everybody tells us we should do with our life and the best thing for us, we listen to that inner voice that might say, You're, you should go do that crazy thing because that's what you're made for, right? While everyone else around you is saying, no way, you're gonna fail, that's a terrible idea. But if you know it in your heart, you know it in your heart. You and only you know what you're made for. So it's a radical shift of pledging allegiance to that true self. And really, it's a bold step to live that truth when the world is against you, when the world doubts you, and there's naysayers around you, and or when your opinion that you want to stand up for is so valuable, but the world doesn't yet see it that way. So, mm -hmm. so it becomes very radical because you have to walk your own path and you have to stand firm on it. And that can be really hard sometimes. Yeah, well, well put. Yeah, absolutely true.
Um, there's a phrase from esoteric uh, spirituality or mystical spirituality as above, so mm. below, right? And mm -hmm. um, this, this is the very true in terms of intuition, obviously. But I, I'm a big proponent of uh, a both-and universe rather than either-on. Yeah. And there's some sp uh, spiritual paths that say, you know, the the the, the earth, uh, the the physical is sort of illusory or is is just an illusion. And you know, once we let it go, you know, we come back to spirit, which is the real. Uh, I'm not, I don't subscribe to that because I think that. Uh, they're both part and parcel, you know, as above, mm -hmm. so below. I think they nest in each other. Mm -hmm. uh, in India, we, you know, I might say Purusha and Prakriti, you know, the the spirit and nature are one, right? They they dance together. Mm. Jack the idea. Um, mm. Where are you on that? Where, do, you, do you think that's true, that it, it is an integration? Yeah, I, I do. I think we can't really draw like lines between things. I think, it, 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 you know, we're talking about vibrational levels. We're talking about different ways that, um, you know, maybe a, a densification that, you know, this is, this is a different experience of being an energetic being. We're, we're in a denser experience right now. We have this sort of grounded reality. So it, it really comes down to words like what is real? You know, what yeah. really, what is, what does that even mean? What's real? Like it's all real. Everything's real. It's just different uh, vibrational expressions of it. And, and this plane or this sort of dimension of the universe that we're able to interact with on this vibrational frequency is, is simply what it is. And then when we shed this physical being, right, it, and, you know, energy can't be created or destroyed, all of that business. It's just because this goes, all of that stuff still exists. It's just in a different dimension or vibrational existence. So it's a different kind of world. So I, I think it's a world of wonder. I think it's a world of amazing beauty and potential and imagination and, 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 and wonderful things. So, so I think we should open our minds and, and really allow our intuition to draw us in and to know that there's so much more out there that we've yet to discover. And, um, and it's really a world of wonder. And if we can approach it without fear, then amazing adventures are there for all of us. I love it. In the book, you mentioned the uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and then the opposite, or perhaps the opposite, you know, this, this intuitive awareness. Uh, not that machines can't have a sort of a semblance of intuition themselves, but uh, I know a lot of people argue that, you know, this is going to be at the demise of humanity. I think Stephen Hawking even said that he thought AI was, you know, a bad idea, quote. Um, but uh, where are you on that? Because uh, it does seem like there's there's two paths here. You know, there's greater and greater technology. Uh, you know, based in cyberspace and AI on the one hand. You know, and and trying to find the future there. And and then there's some folks like yourself that are moving. You know, in in realms of consciousness rather than in realms of more and more sophisticated machines. So. Are they eventually going to blend together? Do you think we'll become cyborgs or what's <laughs> going to happen? Well, this is actually one of my favorite conversations because I've, you know, I worked for 20 years in technology and, you know, I've worked with some of the biggest tech companies on the planet. So I've had this discussion with really smart programmers, people who build AI, people who are yeah. um, game designers, reality simulation designers. So, cool. so this is a very fascinating conversation for me. Yeah. And um, and and it's so interesting the different perspectives that people have on this in the scientific and in the tech community uh, because we don't know because it's all such an unknown. There's so many variables as to how this can all play out and 
And where I'm landing on this for me personally is really, you know, I think that it's great. It, we have computers to do all this smart stuff. That's great, right? So, so what happens, you know, if if they become self-aware, if they have become this uh, place where they have a sort of conscious awareness that they don't necessarily have now, or, or this whole discussion opens up. Well, the, the question of intuition immediately comes into play because as of now, um, we can't program intuition into machines because we don't even understand intuition. Right, so that's the right. thing, right? We can program intelligence, things that we understand, formulas that we understand, algorithms that we understand, but we don't even really understand intuition ourselves. So for me, it makes most sense to work on our own intuition because intuition is ultimately going to be what defines us, what makes us different, defines our humanity and keeps us. And here's the most important thing, keeps us one step ahead of those machines. So even if they're really, really smart, we still have intuitive genius. And if that's our ace in the hole um, to we might not be able to outthink a machine, but we're still going to be able to outintuit a machine because it's our nature. It's not a machine's nature as of now. Although, you know, I have talked to some people who, have, who disagree with that and say that the machines are purely intuitive. But then I think that gets down into semantics of what is intuition. But yeah. in the terms that we're talking about, in terms of this connectedness to something higher, um, that whole uh, being able to repeat that in a machine has not yet been figured out. Right. Well, it comes down to, you know, whether consciousness, you know, is self-originating or whether it, you know, develops through evolution or whatever and you know you can argue that one back and forth too right whether it mm -hmm. was the pre-existence or or not um and and you know if you believe it wasn't and it came out of you know sophisticated evolution then you could say a, a machine could possibly follow that trajectory as well you know and become self-aware and whatever and very close to what we consider to be uh, you know humanity as we as we live it um, right. but yeah, that's the, nobody knows, right? That's the interesting arguments. Yeah. Um, but I, it does concern me, actually, that, uh, you know, it, it, machines will come up with an idea that, you know, the human beings aren't in the best interests of, of the planet, you know? <laughs> they get in the way, you know? We yes. get rid of them, you know, because they're really kind of, uh, you know, not, not so good for the a virus, right? I think, as it right. says in, in the Matrix, right? Exactly. Anyway, that's a whole different subject. Um, <laughs> let's let's wrap up. We've got a few minutes left. Tell us just briefly in a couple of minutes what what you do at the Intuition Lab. Yeah, so Intuition Lab is my online school where I teach intuition. So anybody who, if you've read the book and you really want to go deeper into your own intuition and practice it and really work live with me, and we we work in groups. I would do private coaching. Um, different ways to actually start getting down there, working together and, and clarifying intuition and, and sort of getting, um, hacking it. We like to say we, we hack intuition and explore intuition and it's a lot of fun. So I have uh, programs enrolling all year round. And so I encourage folks to stop by. I also have a free um, 12 page wake up your intuition guide there. If you want to get started now and you just want to kind of, you know, see if it's for you, that's a great place to start. Excellent. All right, I'm going to tell folks about next week's show, and then I'm going to ask you to do something, Kim, and that is to give us just a few words of wisdom we can take into our week. And if you're listening live, folks, with obviously this is the week of the inauguration, but many people are listening beyond that. So maybe uh, Kim will come up with something that we can apply for 2021. Next week, though, in the fourth part in our series on empowerment, 
university lecturer, writer, and spiritual teacher, Steve Taylor joins me uh, from the UK. And he's going to talk about his book of spiritual reflections entitled The Clear Light. And uh, Eckhart Tolle actually has uh, recommended this book as one of the books to read. Uh, so I'm really fascinated to talk with, with Steve Taylor next week uh, and join me for that if you can. So that should be a good one, too. But right now, in the minute we have left, a uh, minute, well, minute and a half, actually, if you need a little extra time, tell us some wisdom that we can take with us into our week. Well, I'm going to take your mention of Eckhart Tolle as a sign, and I'm going to um, share a, a thing that he says all the time that always resonates with me, and that's to remember that the stillness speaks. So as we go forward in 2021 and as we're tempted to come back into our lives and recreate those busy patterns and get back into the swing of things, just remember, and also to take the time that we have left to remember that the space, the silence, the stillness, it's not empty. It's full of wisdom. It's full of guidance and it's full of insight. So take a little time, just slow down, spend some time with yourself and listen. And you'd be surprised at how the, this, the silence will speak to you. Absolutely. Beautiful words. And uh, so true. I've ju I'm just finishing up a book on world religions uh, that I've been writing. And, and so many of the world's religions speak to that, speak to that silence. And uh, I remember H.W.L. Punja, who was a great teacher in India back in the 90s, um, 1990s, uh, we was asked to give his key teaching. And he said, be quiet. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure if he was annoyed at the guy asking the questions so just be quiet, or whether that was the wisdom, or maybe uh, both. Maybe uh, both. But, uh, yeah, but, so good, wise words, though. So thank, thank you for that. Take some stillness into, into our week. Uh, we're at the end of the show. Thank you for listening, folks. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank for you, being Paul. For guest today. It was a wonderful show. And uh, thanks, folks, for keeping this, this show and other shows on the Unity Online Network on the air, the voice of an awakening world. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.